DC chillin', PG chillin', my name Wale and I came to get it, came to get it, came to get it, my name Wale, shit, welcome back. All Things Sports Podcast, my name is Matthew Gordon alongside my co-host Ryan Balo, and we have one of our boys stopping by today, born out of Gaithersburg, Maryland, on to doing big things at Stanford, California. Is our boy, star soccer player Noah Adnan. How we doing today, my brother? What's up, boys? Glad to have glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Of course, man. So before we dive into some questions, you know, maybe can you give us a quick rundown of who you are for the people listening in today, where you come from and where you are now? Yeah, of course. Um, so my name is Noah Adnan. I'm current junior at Stanford, uh, on the on the men's soccer team play center back. And so when I grew up, I started playing soccer about three to four years old. I started playing alongside basketball. And so that was when I really loved sports was at a young age. I continued both all the way through. I was really competitive in basketball. I always thought I was going to play college basketball growing up. And so I played it at team takeover, um, really competitive other uh, teams in the AU circuit. And then I started to realize that you know, I'm not I'm not the tallest. I'm not the quickest. Yeah, I could kind of shoot the ball, but I don't know if basketball is really for me. So then I really started to hone in my talents towards soccer. And that's when I realized I could really play at a high level in college at a high D1 school. And so that's when I started to shift my focus from basketball to soccer around my freshman year. And so I grew up playing with a bunch of different clubs in the soccer realm. Uh, but the one that really brought me to that next level was Bethesda. Um, they do a great job of creating talent and just sending guys to the next level, whether that's professional, college, whatever it may be. They just do a great job of connecting people to where they want to go and what their dreams are. And so that's that's when I really started training every day and really started to really think about what I wanted to do. And so I was thankful enough to get the opportunity to for Stanford to reach out to me. And then that was my dream school ever since then. So I committed my junior year going into senior year and never looked back. So just been loving it ever since. That's awesome to hear. So just to add on to that question, um, you know, what point did you really decide that soccer was going to be your focus? And can you maybe walk us through the, that specific moment, you know, all the factors that kind of led into it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was pretty tough. I was told my dad was like choosing between a favorite child in that sense. Like growing up, like I love both respectively. Um, but like I started to realize I was much better at soccer at, early on in high school. And so like like I mentioned before, if I really wanted to compete at a high level um, moving forward, like soccer was the way to go. I think I could have gone D1. I like to think that I could have gone like a low D1 basketball if I... You probably could have gone D1 in basketball. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's nice to say, but I'm not 100% sure. But um, but yeah, so that's when I realized that. And, and another factor that led to was I wanted to go to a great academic school. And I like to believe that Stanford has the best of both worlds. Um, you got Stanford, Michigan, Duke, North Carolina, all those, all those type of schools that you can argue which one's the best academically, athletically. So... That's when I realized, like, hey, you're going to get a good degree from somewhere and you're going to have fun playing sport that you love at a high level. So that's where I started to realize 
soccer took over for me. If you had to choose, what do you like, soccer or basketball best? Now, now soccer. Now soccer. All right. I'm, I'm sure you guys love, like, play. I, let me ask you this. Because we all went to the same high school and everything, how much more do you love basketball coming out of high school versus when you came into high school? Because of the whole Quince Orchard basketball community. Like playing-wise, you're saying? Yes. I'd say maybe. Maybe it, maybe the QO program needs some improvements, and it probably that's part my love for the game a little that's bit. A lot of love too. I feel that. I, I would I agree you. with Thalo. Yeah, I hear you. Um, but no, going back to kind of your decision to, I think you had to forego high school soccer for QO to play for this Bethesda club. How did mm. you really come to that decision? I mean, that couldn't have been an easy decision. You obviously grow up wanting to play for your high school. Yeah. Um, so I play for Bethesda Academy. And so we practice about four to five times a week with games on the weekend. And so it just really, you couldn't do both. And it was, if you're going to commit to that, you can't play high school soccer. So I didn't really want to play high school soccer anyway. So I was okay with that decision. I know a lot of other guys prefer or would like to play a bit high school soccer and really represent their school. But, you know, I loved going to QO, but I don't think, Playing QO soccer was the best for me. Yeah, it makes sense. Totally. Gives you a better opportunity. What is, like, the recruiting, like, like how, how does that process even, like, work throughout, like, your your time in the academy? Yeah, so um, they start all schools started contacting me my beginning of junior year. The NCAA has a bunch of different rules um, when they can contact. And so they just started reaching out early on, and I got a, a lot of interest. And I was really open-minded going in. I got a few offers early on in my junior year, but I really knew that there's no point of committing if I didn't know if it wasn't the right fit. So I just waited a bit, and then I had a showcase in Florida, and that was the winner of my junior year. Played really well. Stanford was there, and thankfully they contacted me, and then I was that was my number one ever since. I, I'm just curious. Um or like what other schools you were looking at? We were talking about the recruiting process. Uh, maybe, if you, maybe if you were close to going to another school. You don't yeah, have to say, but I was just wondering. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at Maryland, but unfortunately that didn't work out too well. But I think I'm happy with the decision may have going out, out west. That best, honestly. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So um, kind of wanted to talk NIL with you. Um, I wanted your thoughts, maybe your perspective. We've asked a lot of college athletes what they think. We've gotten some mixed answers. So how would you say it's just affecting players, but also with like the transfer portal and everything? Like NIL as a whole. What's your rundown? I think it's great for the student athletes, to be honest. Um, I mean, you have all these universities and NCAA as a whole profiting off these student athletes who don't even get a penny for their work. And I just think this is a great opportunity for students to really market themselves and really profit off the work that they're doing. So um, in the soccer world, it's not as big as obviously basketball and football. I know only the few guys on my team that have NIL deals. It's nothing as big as the big market sports. But I think it's awesome for student athletes as a whole to really maximize their revenue off of their name. I totally agree with you. Uh, you know, there's some people out there that are like 
this is not good, but I feel like it can only benefit players. You know, people talk about like scandals and like, you know, the whole, um, what was it? What was it? Nick Saban and someone else like that. It might be like one of the only downfalls, but like overall, I feel like I think it was Texas A&M, right? Yeah. It has nothing to do with that. But I think yeah, if, like, at the end of the day, if like, you know, these college athletes are generating revenue, why not let them profit on what they're doing? You know, they're bringing in money. College football is bringing in a lot of money. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you on that. Bailey, you got the next question? Yeah, I mean, I kind of wanted to ask a couple more questions on this. I know, like, I mean, obviously in college football, it's huge. You know, you have players entering the portal left and right because of this NIL money coming in. They're getting swayed by a college. Come here, I'll pay you 100K. Oh, and then they get another offer from another school, and they're getting 150 next thing you know. Is that, like – at all similar in soccer or are players transferring because of this NIL money coming in? I don't think as much in soccer, but that's funny to bring up because like, that's a huge gray area in all the sports right now, the transfer portal and the not having to sit out and especially with NIL in their back pocket. So I think, I do think NCAA or someone needs to look into that and just maybe buckle down a couple of rules. Because I do think it's a little bit unfair. Some parts where you have guys, coming in and then you're really trying to coaches are trying to build them up for two, three years, really develop them. And all of a sudden you have a bunch of transfers coming in fifth years and everything. But um, for soccer wise, it's not as much behind NIL, but you do have a lot of transfers and, but the soccer world is different because you get a lot of international guys. So you'll get like a 22 year old player who has three years left of eligibility coming into a state school or a small school, D1 school. Right. And it, it really kind of just screws I mean, it's it's great for them. It's a great opportunity. It's just different in a sense compared to football. But um, like there's a guy at UCLA right now, center back. He uh, I don't know how old he is, but he came from AC Milan Academy, which is and he played I want to say trained with the first team or something. And it, I mean, these guys are just getting crazy exposure and have a lot of quality professional minutes under their belts, and they're coming in to play college against eighteen year olds at a high school who are skinny as hell. So it's it's just different. What's what, why? What what makes a player like come from a club like that to come to the states and play in it's college? Just it's just recruitment from the coaches if they prefer someone with more experience from an international standpoint. Um, I mean, I guess you can compare it to how players in basketball, professionally, right out of college here, who don't make it to the NBA or G League, are going overseas, and those overseas teams prefer players from the USA. So it's like some colleges prefer international players just because of their experience. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, one more, one more thing I have on this. So like a lot of like obviously like NFL players like they'll leave after their junior year if they're good enough to go to the draft. Is it like common for college soccer players like the high level guys to leave school early and go to play overseas? Absolutely. Um, I, don't, I don't know about overseas, but they would enter the MLS draft pretty early on, like either freshman or sophomore year. Um, a lot of guys maybe will leave their junior year. But for us at Stanford, especially, like we came here to get the degree as well. So we're not going to leave early. So right. a lot of people finish out the degree and then leave early. So I'm planning on trying to graduate in three and a quarter and then enter the draft next winter. That's awesome. So I kind of wanted to touch on your season. We've talked a lot about the building up and such. So let's talk your past seasons. Um, you guys finished second in the Pac-12. 
behind Washington, pretty sure, right? So yes. how how did that season go? You know, uh, maybe there were challenges. Obviously, you know, if it's if you're not first, you're last, I guess. I guess that's your mindset. But what were some successes and some challenges and how did you overcome them? Basically, just how did last season go for you? Um, overall, it went it went great coming into the season. We didn't really know how we were going to stand because last year we lost about four attacking players who all went pro and they were all starters, goal scorers. So we didn't really know how we were going to replace them. But we did struggle last year on paper. We were probably the most talented team in a while and we didn't even make the tournament. So coming in, we're like, well, that's kind of low bar to set. Hopefully we do better. But I mean, we finished the season 12, two and six, which is incredible. We were top, 10 the whole top 10 in the rankings the whole season and we just clicked really well as a team really we a lot of the goals were shared between different players freshmen that stepped up really in a took a big role um and then our core and our foundation really led the team to a great year unfortunately you know we didn't win the pac 12 nor did we make the deep run into the tournament but overall we i would say we had a really really great year um like there's not one person in the locker room that I would look like. Like, like everyone in the locker room had their noses pointed in the same direction. We knew what had to be done as a team. We kept the standard high and just the team chemistry overall in the locker room. Yeah, just, three three goals for you. Yeah, yeah, that was like well, that was last season, but one one yeah. this season. Yeah, gotcha. You don't so get any opportunities your... as a center back. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I get say. my. Head. What was yeah. your first goal like? I was I was wondering. I had to have felt amazing. No? Are you talking about this season or last season? Your first career goal. First mm. career goal at Stanford. Yeah, so that was my um, – it was away at SMU, and it was my first career start. And I believe it was eight minutes into the game. Um, it was a corner kick. We had a set play, come off the screen, and the ball was just sitting there on a platter. I'm like, this is beautiful. Come oh, up. shit. Whip my head around, just whip it far post. Goes in. It was awesome. And thankfully enough, my parents and Zane were there, my brother Zane, in attendance for the game. So it was pretty awesome for them to be there for my first goal. So pretty, pretty cool moment. Sure I hope they get to come out cause just because it's a little bit of a hike for them to come to the West Coast. It is. It is. It was actually it, um, in Dallas at SMU. So it was kind of in between. That's great. Um, what else do we got? Um, oh yeah, so you guys unfortunately fell short in penalty kicks this year to UNC Greensboro. What do you guys think? I mean, obviously it was a one-to-one game. What, is there anything that you guys look back on on a game like that that you guys could maybe have done differently against the team? I mean, they they made a good run this year, UNC Greensboro. I saw they were fifth in the nation. So, do you guys like look back? at this game, like with any regrets, like anything you could have done differently? Um, The only, I mean, we like to say like, we don't like to live with regrets. Like everything we do before going out and feel like don't leave anything to look back and say, wow, I wish I could have had this moment differently. But I would, I would say perhaps the first 15, 20 minutes of the game where they did have a corner kick. It was a great save by Frankie. You push it over the bar and a couple minutes later, they were able to get one on us. Um, Other than that, I, I think, we were just a little bit tighter in that moment. We we played really, really well that game. Um, absolutely dominating them. I want to say ever since they scored their first goal, and 10 minutes later, Cam came back and scored a banger from outside the box. 
So we were just putting the hurt on them, chance after chance, couldn't really find the back of the net. And then I think they, they were literally just surviving for PKs. I want to say it was their backup goalie or their third string goalie who came in for penalty. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean he was a he was cracked at penalties. He just I mean, he saved the first three. So after after that, it's pretty yeah, it's pretty tough. So bringing in a goalie like that, they just like he's just good at penalty kick saves. I, I guess that, I, that was a specialty. I mean, they waited for that moment. He didn't see Shit. the field. He was just waiting for say some pens. I guess like sticking on the penalty kicks, like how do you like like going up to a penalty kick? Like I know they say like don't make eye contact with the goalie, like just look down. Like what is kind of like your mindset when you go up to? I know you didn't get to take one in this game, but what is your mindset like going into the penalty kick? Or like, I guess walk me through that thought. Yeah, walk me through like that process as a player. Yeah, some people, if you're not too familiar with penalty, some people think it's a bunch of luck, like it's 50 50, you can pick either way. But I mean, there's some statistics and analytics that go down into it. But we practice penalties probably throughout like two to three weeks in advance of the tournament. So we really hone in on what we want to do and everything. But it's just a mindset of just, you know, I practice, I know what I'm going to do, I know which direction I'm going, and I'm just going to hit the ball well where I know I'm going to go and not really overthink it. So a lot of us, um, like, I don't think there was too many nerves going in in the penalty kicks. Of course, there's you're going to have some nerves, but we were all confident in striking the ball well. But it was just unfortunate that that goalie just – I mean, you, you got to give credit to him. He he did a great job of saving all the pens. So if, you, if you're just walking up, like, and you can – like, is there any part where you can like read where you think the goalie's gonna go, and maybe you switch up where you're gonna shoot the shoot the ball, or yeah. is it? Yeah, I mean, certainly some players do that. Like, if you see like Jorginho or Messi and um the recent World Cup, they did that. But me personally, I'm not that good to do that. I can't really read it that well, so I'll just pick a corner and just just finish from there. You will one be good enough to do that. Yeah, I mean, one more question with this. Is there any like strategy versus like keeping it on the ground and going like top shelf and getting in the air? Like, it's... Mm-hmm. so either I mean you don't want to have it a savable height. So if you're like about four feet off the ground, it's probably a savable height. But if you keep it low on the ground, it's harder for the goalie to reach there and get it. Um, or if you roof it, I mean it's pretty tough goalie to save. You're just adding another variable of you missing the target if it goes up in the air. But I do have to say though one of the most OP penalties is just down the middle. I'm surprised you don't see more people do that. Yeah, because the goalie has to pick a side at the end of the day. Right? <laughs> exactly. He's not just yeah. going to stand there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. After watching the World Cup, I felt like there was some strategy behind it. But yeah. um, All right. So you've heard a lot from your coaches and – could be anyone when it comes to advice, just maybe like a lesson in life or soccer or whatever it may be. I was wondering what was the best thing you've ever heard, best piece of advice you've gotten from any coach or player from Stanford QO, family, it could be anyone. What would you say has like shaped you into the player you became today? Well, that is a fantastic question, Ginger. (laughs) Thank Um, you, sir. (laughs) Uh, I would probably just say is, I wouldn't say it was one advice given on a specific day, but it's been an accumulation of hanging out with the same great guys and the coaches every day, which is just 
really living your life to the fullest and then embracing every moment because you don't know what's like everything that's happened in the past happened in the past whatever's in the future is for the future but you don't know what's going to happen so really living your life in the moment and I think that's why I try and take in to account every day even if I'm on stepping on the soccer pitch every tackle I go into every pass that I make is just focusing on that moment and if I fuck up I fuck up next play we move on um because you can't change your past so I think I'm translating that into life as well just really like right now the holiday season so I'm just spending time with my family because I'm because I'm away from school for six months I'm just really enjoying time with them I'm down here in Richmond right now watching my brother play so I would just probably say it's just not a specific thing but accumulation of every single day I'm with great guys training really hard enjoying a great life at Stanford studying hard and just really embracing these four years. So I was wondering if you can maybe package that up and give your advice to people listening today, you know, how they can get to be like you maybe. Um, Just be yourself, to be honest. Don't, don't change for anyone else. Just be yourself at the end of the day because that will make you most happy. Excellent stuff. Well said. Yeah, totally. Nothing's guaranteed in life. And I think that's a good good outlook. Live every day to the fullest. Um, kind of transitioning back to college. I know we're kind of going all over the place, but can you just like maybe just walk us through like a typical day as a college soccer player? Like how do you balance that rigorous rigorous workload that you got at Stanford and soccer at the same time? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. It's a grind for sure for the weekdays. Um, I'd say – we train in the afternoon, so I would have class. I'd wake up around maybe 9 o'clock, go to breakfast really quick, leave from breakfast, go to class. Class is about maybe an hour and a half long, depending on which class you're in. Um, and then I'll go, that would probably be ending around 11.30. So I'll have some time to grab some lunch, and then I'll head down to the locker room. We have a rule of like 30 minutes before to start, so everyone's ready as soon as the clock goes. Um, so then I'm training from for about two, two and a half hours from about one to three o'clock. And then after three o'clock, I head down to, um, the athletic training center, which is a bunch of recovery, uh, equipment. So I'll either hop in the ice tub or hit the Norma tech. And then from there, I'll probably have another class or a section. So I go bike over to that. After that ends, I head over to dinner. And then after dinner, I'll probably just relax, do some schoolwork. Long day. Yeah, it's an all-day thing. Basically, book from 9 in the morning to 8 to 9 o'clock at night. Yeah, there's not much free time, it sounds like. Not a lot. I heard you mention the ice tub. I've been seeing a lot of stuff just, like, on social media. Like, people are, like, swearing by this. Like, have you always done this? Like, I've never tried it, and I kind of, like, I'm really into fitness, was thinking about mm-hmm. seeing what it's like. What's the logic behind it? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's great recovery. I mean, it, I, it just condenses your muscles, so blood is for, having to force, getting pumped through your body. And then, especially sometimes we um, contrast baths, so hop in the ice tub, go in the hot tub, back and forth, just get your blood flow. Moving. And it's only, like, a 15, 20-second thing, right? You just hop in, hop out, pretty much. Uh, it's a little bit longer than that, maybe about longer. Like three three minutes. Oh, okay. Depending on 
what you need to hit more as well if it's even yeah. like cool cool so let's wrap this up and i uh, just wanted to ask you you know you mentioned a little bit briefly about your uh plans after school looks like uh we heard from you that you're going to probably look down to the draft. Uh, is that the plan for sure? Uh, not a hundred percent sure, but that is what I'm thinking about. Um, stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff happens, but that is, I would probably say, uh, a plan for now. Um, and then and hopefully into the draft, get drafted. And, but my overall plan is to play professional. So wherever that may be, I'm really excited for just, working hard towards that so yeah we're excited how does that process man. work Noah? like is there are there like professional coaches like contacting you now like how how do you get that attention i guess from pro teams mm -hmm. um so a lot of the guys will like train with mls teams in the off season um or start to talk to agents and then from there on out they will contact you keep in touch with you watch you throughout college and then um Either you enter the draft or you sign a homegrown contract. So, uh, are you guys familiar with the homegrown? No, I am not. No. So, if you played at like uh, MLS Academy, like DC United or uh, Red Bulls or NYCFC growing up, they own your rights. And if they decide to sign you after college or wherever you're at, they can sign you to a, it's called a homegrown contract. But since I played with Bethesda, I can't sign a homegrown contract because there's no professional team. Does this oh. draft? Very so cool you pretty stuff, much just though. go in blindly then. Yeah, basically, it's just typical to like what NBA and NFL draft would be, just not the same hype. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's been a time, my guy. We appreciate you stopping by. We're rooting for you. We love what you're doing, and you know maybe we'll see you on the bigger stage. I, I know I'll see you in the bigger stage one day. So. Keep it up, and we'll be in touch. Thank you so much, Noah. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ginger. Thanks, Ryan, for having me.